Hello everyone, my name is Eric, and I am here with my wife Leslie, and our pastor Sean Sawyers, and we welcome you to the Home and Him podcast where we bring home the joy of the gospel and help families walk as new creations in Christ. This is the third of a three-part series featuring a conversation that Leslie and I had with Sean on how to read the Bible the way the Bible wants to be read. Last time, Sean shared the first two tools, which were seed theology and typology. If you didn't listen to those, please do so. Uh, They're very, very powerful and simple. Uh, Sean explains them in such a simple way. But today we're going to pick up as Sean explains the third of the three tools. Okay, so we've covered seed theology and typology. And, uh, And there's a third category we wanted to get to, which is kingdom focus. Boy, if that doesn't sound big and deep (laughs) and like, (laughs) that's above where I'm at, above my pay grade. But it really isn't. It it, it really isn't. So can you help us out? Sure. Yeah. So the kingdom of God, you know, if you just come to Christianity and you don't have a lot of religious background like I did, and you pick up like the gospel of Mark, this guy named Jesus just shows up with no introduction in, in the gospel of Mark. He just starts walking around going, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he never tells us what it is. And I remember I, I remember as a high schooler reading the Gospel of Mark going, what on earth? Who wrote this? Where's the king, what is the kingdom of God? You need to define your terms here. You know, and the kingdom of God is such a weird concept. Even today, we str- people struggle with it because it's it, it, it has earthly power um, connotations. So people are like, what are we supposed to do about this? You know, but... Church history-wise, well, the kingdom of God is basically the rule and reign of God on earth. That's it. It's the rule and reign of God on earth. Now, what does that look like? This is where we can get into trouble and get into disagreements. You know, because at the so-called Great Commission, remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Completed action in the past. It's done. He sits on the throne now. He claimed that authority. He ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, and he sits right now as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, that's, and Colossians that's one says he holds everything together. He holds so everything together. He continues. And he continues, to rule. right? But we still see sin, right? We still see dysfunction. We still see, you know, the church is not winning. If you, the culture wars, you know, so like, who on earth? What's going on with this kingdom thing? People get confused about that. And so when you read the Bible as it wants to be read, you start to, you're, you're forced to stop looking at your current present and saying, is this the kingdom of God? And you have to look at what the Bible says. The Bible says the Messiah will bring in the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he came, said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. After his resurrection, he said, all authority has been given to me. He is worshipped as the king of kings. In the book of Revelation, he claims kingly authority. And so we have to somehow come to the thing, the conclusion, the Bible says this is the kingdom of God. It's happening right now. So it's, it's not completely fulfilled as the promises say it will be. Obviously, I'm not saying that. You know, there, so there's a not yet aspect to this, but at the same time, part of it has already been fulfilled. And we, we have to recognize the Bible says Jesus rules now. You know, I'm part of a denomination that has doctrinal standards, and we I have to subscribe to the Westminster Confession of Faith as a minister in good standing. And, and part of our confession says the church is the kingdom of God. It's the expression of the kingdom of God. And so 
you know, I, I have to believe that the kingdom of God happens right now and that the church is the expression of the kingdom of God. The church is God's current expression of the kingdom of God. God's plans center around the church. You know, one of the things I like to say here when people are trying to th- come up with new outreach ideas and everything, I'm like, guys, the church is God's plan A for the salvation of the world. Just remember that. You know, mm. In fact, we're, we're pretty strict in the Reformed world. We actually don't recognize the legitimacy of parachurch organizations. We don't actually say their name. <laughs> we, don't, we don't use that term. We say, oh, that's an expression of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not parachurch because mm. there's only church. Mm. You know, it's, it's God's plan A. So as we read the Bible, we get to not only recognize is it, it's about Jesus, but it's not about Jesus in some weird esoteric sense. It's about Jesus doing what? Fulfilling the promise of Genesis 3.15, overcoming the damage the first Adam did, and bringing about the promise of the restoration of all things. So the church is the people of God, the kingdom of God, being saved by Christ, and now they're on earth doing his mission until he comes back for them. So we are the hands and feet. So if it's all about the church, it helps us to stop making idols out of our cultural preferences. It stops helping us make idols out of our political parties. It stops helping us, if I'm allowed to say it, make idols out of our families. Mm -hmm. Recognize God's plan A is the church, not the family, not the political party, not the nation state. You know, God's plan A may have may have very little to do with America. You know, mm-hmm. our country's future may be that on its ashes, a beautiful, more powerful, profoundly gospel-centered church will arise. And if so, glory be to God for the, preserving his church. You know, when you read the Bible as it wants to be read, you recognize it's about Jesus saving his people for God's glory. And so you don't mind making the church the center of all things, that it's God's family, not our family. That's the most important. Well, Jesus did say, you know, that who, you know, we have to hate. Right. To hate your father and your mother. Yeah. Yeah. You have to forsake them. That's a pretty strong statement. Very strong statement. I think about this reality that you've given voice to, which I think is a huge trap for families. You know, we get serious about wanting to be faithful at home. That's a good thing. But outside the context of our role you know, in the in the larger body of Christ, I mean, the church is the body of Christ. Our families are just, we're parts of that. And so that has to be kept in mind. And I think that there's a lot of, there should be a lot of encouragement in that uh, on a number of practical levels, which would be another podcast maybe to get into. I'm baited, I'm baiting myself to go down, you know, what that looks like. But uh, that I think is, is, it's a hopeful outlook, too. You know, when we see that we're a part of what God's doing in a bigger way, you know, that gives us hope that it's not all about us, that it doesn't end with us, that God is doing bigger things, even in the suffering, you know, that we endure in our families one way or the other. You know, there's a bigger picture, this kingdom that God is building that, exactly. um, that guides us you know, through the word and his spirit guiding us. Okay, so as we're we're thinking about this kingdom focus, how does that avoid uh, subjectivity? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Well, one of the principles we need to remember as we're doing this, uh, doing this being biblical theology, as we're trying to be read the Bible as it wants to be read, is that the biggest principle of scriptural interpretation is that Scripture interprets Scripture. The best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself, and I mean. 
just off the top of my head as we've had this conversation, I've tried to point to how the scripture does these things. And so as mom and dad are reading the Bible with their children, you know, if they have a doubt, they need to do some work and kind of look at how the scriptures help you find these things out themselves. Let scripture show you the example of this. There's plenty. Paul preaches from the Old Testament all through the book of Acts. I mean, Peter at the Pentecost sermon is, preaches a sermon about the coming of the Holy Spirit from Joel, who wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit, but yet, he, actually, he was talking about the Holy Spirit according to Peter. You know, so you see examples of this. So they're, they're in there if you do the work to find out. But one of the things to remember off the, that you can do immediately is to always make sure that you rest the explicit things as your foundation and let them guide the things that are not so explicit that are more implicit. Very often we'll find proof text for some weird piece of doctrine that we love. We're like, well, what about this? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but this says like three or four times, you know, this is the true, right? Mm -hmm. He was born of a virgin. That's in there. Whereas this is like kind of a weird verse. So, you know, another way to say it, explicit, implicit, kind of technical language. Let the normal stuff guide your interpretation of the weird stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. don't do it the opposite. We want to have, we're, we're, we all like to find buried treasure. We all like to be the ones who have the super secret knowledge. And so we love to find the weird in scripture and put it up. And look what I found. Mm. But really, we need to go back to the old standards. I, my goal as a theologian is I never want to find anything new. I want to dig into things that are old. And so this quest for novelty, we have to be very careful as we read the Bible to our scriptures. And, and no kids, we're not trying to find something new. We're trying to find something old, but it's new to you. Mm -hmm. And Peter and Paul in their writings both talk about, you know, I'm saying these things by way of reminder. Right. Because they want us to dig into what's been provided that we often push aside, as you're, I think, properly saying, Sean, you know, we get enamored with something new and uh, that's where we get into trouble. We forget what we've what we first learned. And that was really the problem of the false teachers. Well, thank you, Sean, for that. That's awesome. This has been an awesome conversation. I would love to spend more time <laughs> uh, on this. And I think that there will be, Lord willing, more opportunities in the future you know, to have you so. back because so. you're explaining things in a very clear and, and compelling way. And we're just grateful for your time today. I actually feel like I need to warn the audience, the Midlothian housing is not good if you're thinking you want to move here to come to our church because you want to hear sermons every week. So don't attempt that right now. <laughs> no, but I think we should link the YouTube style yes. of your sermons. Yes, we'll we will do that. Share with provide the, the link for Sean's sermons. And yeah. Are they on YouTube? You know, I know they're is it YouTube? Or I think it is. I, 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 I don't look, so I think well, so. Well, I'll find I know it's on Spotify. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> the easy way to do it. You can listen on Spotify, So are you guys. Too. So. That's right. Find but, us all there. You know, one of the, I would like to encourage you. You could say, well, of course, Sean's sitting right across the table from you. So, you, of course, you'd be saying these things. But <laughs> but this is really true, and I, I want to encourage you. Look at um, Sean did a series on Esther. Yeah. All, yeah. And all every week it's then. Jesus. Yeah. And so I would encourage you maybe even as part of your being creative with family Bible time, just to sit down and listen to Sean's sermons. They're, you know, they're on the website. We'll have the link mm -hmm. and, uh, and you can hear that. And, and uh, Sean presents truth in a way that 
that's accessible, you know, to the range yes. that you would have in a healthy church. You've got the older, mature. You've got the younger, the immature. You've got people that are just there and the people that are, in, you've just got everybody in between. And so uh, his style connects well with yeah. old and young, mature and immature. So I just want to encourage that to you as a resource. Yeah, definitely. That would be be very positive. So uh, I wanted to ask Sean, uh, suggested resources. What are some books that families could get a hold of? Sure. There, there's a lot of resources out there. I'm just going to suggest two to start out with. They're very um, easy. They're they're both geared towards uh, the layperson more than the, you know, credentialed theologian. Uh, one of them is by an Australian named Graham Goldsworthy, and his name is spelled very odd: G R A E M E. Graham Goldsworthy, and his book is called According to Plan. That one is. It looks like a regular paperback book, but it's actually laid out like an old-fashioned workbook. Very short chapters, very specific practical examples and exercises to kind of help you understand what the Bible is actually about. And so how the whole Bible unfolds according to plan. The other one, it's a little bit next level. I would definitely say do Goldworthy's book first. And then if you want more, I would go to Ed Clowney's book called The Unfolding Mystery. And it is much more, not a workbook. It is laid out like a very layperson friendly paper on what biblical theology looks like. So those two, I'm sure you'll probably have links in the mm-hmm. description for those. Yeah. But those are the two books I would definitely recommend at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any closing thoughts? Any summary thoughts? Additional thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, you can do this. Um, you know, you mentioned my Esther series, and I, I, I appreciate that. But, you know, one of my favorite things is to preach the gospel of Jesus from the Old Testament because I think it makes it really rich, especially mm-hmm. for people who grew up in the church. And they have a great, they haven't rebelled against the church, but maybe they're just not as juiced about Jesus as maybe some other people who came to mm-hmm. it new. When you can go back and you can see specifically the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, it just, it, for me, it excites me. I know it, it excites my kids. It's one of my wife's favorite forms of preaching. And so I just, you know, don't be afraid to find the gospel in the Old Testament because mm-hmm. it's there and it's so rich and it's the only gospel the apostles knew. Mm-hmm. Very good. You mean that, that God's not... I mean, God's pretty mean and wrathful in the Old Testament. He's all nice in the New. <laughs> I know, he is. So He is, yeah. At our staff <laughs> devotional just this morning, we looked at Psalm eighteen nineteen, where it says, He rescued me because he delighted in me. That mean old God of the Old Testament delighted in his people and rescued them. Wow. Smoke and mirrors. Man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. And I would, as we move to close, just add that, you know, we all know we're living in a day uh, where attempts are being made to redefine truth at the most basic levels. And as Christians, we have to remember that the Word of God, the Bible, it's not up for debate. That is, that is our source of truth. And because it's God's word, it doesn't change. And so this is a great, great blessing that it doesn't change. Uh, and because it doesn't change, we can depend on it. It's a source of hope that we desperately need in times like these. So we hope that our conversation with Sean has, has helped to encourage you today and equip you as you look at the word yourself and then lead your family in looking at the word and uh, we pray that it'll be uh, 
you, you will have gleaned some things that will help you to dig into the word in a new way as a family. So I sign off as I always do. Uh, because we are new creations in Christ, we can walk faithfully.